You know that pure joy when you find a forgotten 100 rand note in the pocket of some old jeans while you're doing the laundry? That feeling of elation sums up Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies. Since its rejuvenation in 2016, Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies has ensured that those three days you spend on Kloof Wine Farm in Darling will sustain you long enough until the following year's edition. That the memories you make with your squad under the sun screaming along to your favorite musos will last a lifetime. Daisies is committed to developing, supporting, and cultivating a quality, multi-sensory cultural experience, and this year will be no different. Head on over to rockinthedaisies.com to get your tickets now and be a part of history. Tex in the City has kept you informed of what's happening in the South African music industry for the last 15 years now. And this podcast is an extension of that, plugging you into all the hottest music news, reviews, and interviews through insightful and hopefully stimulating conversations with the people who are on the ground, the people who are plugged into the culture. And for the first season, we're focusing on festival OG Johnny Walker rocking the daisies. Now, after last weekend's devastating floods and unprecedented weather in the Western Cape, on top of the continued rainfall throughout September while the Daisies team were trying to build their site, the festival had to unfortunately make a very difficult decision to postpone their October festival in Cape Town and in Joburg. It's a decision that I'm sure was not made lightly, and off the back of the official statement made by the Western Cape government regarding the state's disaster, they made the right call to ensure that everyone remains safe. Daisies is now taking place from the 17th to the 19th of November, which is my birthday week, so you're not going to hear me complain at all. And the Joburg edition will be happening on the 19th of November. Good news is that Stormzy, JID, The Vamps, Denzel Curry, Westside Boogie, Green Tea Peng, and pretty much every other artist has moved heaven and earth to ensure that they will be there on this new weekend in November including Neon Dreams. The Canadian pop folk duo have adopted South Africa as their second home. And I caught up for the first time with Frank Cadillac to chat all about how obsessed him and Adrian are with our country, our musicians and our vibe. Frank, it's so great to finally get to chat to you. That's that's one of the things I love the most about podcasting. It allows me to bridge that gap between artists that Tex in the City have been writing about for forever and actually getting to have a prolonged conversation with them. So welcome. This is long overdue. Hey, well, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's only a pleasure. Now, you know, you're no stranger to playing big stages, but Johnny Walker rocking the daisies is going to be a different beast when you factor in the infrastructure, the vibe, the precedence. What's the vibe like in the Neon Dreams camp ahead of your debut performance on the Johnny Walker jungle stage? I mean, we're, we're all excited. Like it, every opportunity is like another opportunity to spread a lot of love. And, uh, I haven't actually watched any. I usually when I when I play uh, festivals, I'll go watch like some live videos, and I haven't watched any of uh, the Rock and the Daisies yet. So I, I'm just just by what you said, I'm kind of like really excited now, <laughs> just to to feel the energy and to see like how the past events. 
Have you done that on purpose, not watching any videos? Do you, do you want to be surprised when you walk in? <laughs> well, uh, as we got the, the, the booking, we were so busy and like, I never had a chance to actually look yet. So it's just, uh, the timing was bad, but, uh, I'm going to look at it right after this just to see, because now I, I feel like I have to prepare something incredibly beautiful for everybody. I mean, no doubt that you will, but like you said, you've been so incredibly busy and with all the touring that you've done, uh, I, you know, one would think that neon dreams are festival OGs by now. And that, and that prepping for a show like this, you know, you've got that in the bag. Would you say that it's become plug and play or are there different aspects that go into different shows when you're planning? Hmm. It's, it's, well, it's never plug and play. Um, uh, everything that I put into a live show is based off of like the things I learned in my, like, uh, my journey of like spirit spirituality and, and just, just understanding who I am as a human. Cause uh, I think, I think music is a service and the live show is just like, you know, this big gathering of people with the, that share similar traits that share similar, similar ideas about what life is about. And everyone gets to come together and like create harmony between each other and sing together and dance together and feel real again. You know, sometimes the everyday struggles takes you out of uh, that, like, that place in your heart, you know, that, that, uh, keeps you centered. So these shows, I try to make everybody feel something special from the things I learned in my journey, whether it's like an affirmation, like at the end of the show, I get everybody to chant. I love my life. So they leave like at least saying something that's very positive for, towards them, you know? And then like, and I'll tell stories just so, they, they feel what where these stories come from before I sing them, and you know, it just it just it's all about having fun, and that's that's like that that's what I do for each show, and I try to do it my best. You've made me so incredibly excited for your set because I'm going to be very <laughs> honest and say that I have never actually seen neon dreams perform live so this is going to be a first for me i am going to be front and center frank i i want you to tell me those stories i want to i want to say that life affirmation and i haven't been to a music festival since covid happened so this daisies is my first so i'm really looking forward to everything that you just described to like you know, be with like-minded people to celebrate through music. And I'm going to do that during your set. You've inspired me. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's, I, I feel too though. Like when everything, it, it felt strange for a while, like not being around a lot of people. I was like, this is very weird. And as soon as I got to South Africa, cause you guys are kind of opened up a bit before everybody else. And like, I was like, oh man, I missed this. Like, this is, we are meant to be together. We're not supposed to be alone. <laughs> like, like I, I learned that quickly. Hmm. You know, the rest of the lineup for Daisies this year is fire, but I want to know who are you going to be front and center for? Oh man, you know, I got to go check uh, Stormzy. I have yes. to. Yes. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
he, he he's like lyrically like insane like it's beautiful lyrics in his music so i just want to go experience what his live show is like and it's like his visuals all his visuals like for his music videos like uh it's like i i i uh i co-direct a lot of our music videos and so i i have an eye for like when something is extremely incredible and all his music videos are like this top tier and i just I can't imagine what everything all together looks like in a live show. So I got to see it. Is there any specific Stormzy song that you're looking forward to? Because I'll tell you mine. I'll tell you mine. Right? And I, I haven't checked um, Setlist FM, so I don't know what his set's looking like. But I'm dying to hear Blinded by Your Grace part two. I think that'll be so uh, live just because it's so different as well. Yeah, <laughs> no. The the first song I ever heard by Stormzy was Bossy Bob, so I have to. <laughs> that's gonna be ah yes. <laughs> you know it's funny because uh, I saw it. You know, you know how I, I found it. Chris Chris Martin from Coldplay makes like he makes letters to his fans on his page. Like he'll just write songs. Like he'll write it in cursive. He's like, I'm listening to these songs right now. And I looked at the list and I was like, What's this, Bossy Bob? <laughs> and I clicked, <laughs> I searched it up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, this song's crazy. <laughs> Curating a fire lineup isn't easy though, but you seem to put together a really solid one for your first Neon Dreams Festival that you hosted in September for the first time. Talk to me about the process of dreaming it and then doing it and actually seeing your vision realized. Well, it's, it's like a, a few things happen. Like we kind of we kind of follow follow what our like our hearts saying and like we follow what's been been put in front of us like like angels guiding us kind of and uh, after we played Ultra Music Festival and we were walking through the crowd and our our this is our first time our manager came down for the first time in South Africa and we're just walking and all our fans came up to us and then I turned to him and I was like, you know, the the thing that everybody has in common that loves our music is like they're just incredibly good people. They just their hearts are so big and they they see life in such a beautiful way. And and then we talked about it more. It was like we should just try to get a bunch of people that are like minded like this into the same place. You know, and then that turned into well, if we make a festival or something and then get other artists that have like a, like a good message and then everyone just kind of links up together and, and then that turned into Dreaming Out Loud Festival. And we met uh, Jenny Bay and she introduced us to Billy Raful. And, and then she said, you should bring him down. He has a lot of fans out here. And we listened mm -hmm. to his music and we're like, whoa, this music is beautiful. It's intimate and it's like really positive, intimate music. And I was like, this is cool. And uh, that turned into us. Well, Billy, Billy ended up calling Adrian. Adrian, they talked and, and we worked it all out. And we brought Billy. We brought uh, the Saxby twins because our fans introduced us to them. And Matthew Mole, we went on tour with them last last December and that was the most incredible thing like he's our like best friend and we wanted to just have a festival full of friends and good people and just to see what happens and it was the most beautiful experience we've ever had and 
it's something I hope to continue for years to come because it's just a celebration of like the good, the true, and the beautiful. And it's like those those words are exactly what it is. You know? Yeah, it seems to me like you and Adrian have made very genuine connections with the musicians in South Africa. I mean, it it it's technically your second home, right? If not your first home now. I mean, yeah, no, how are you not citizens? Yeah. Oh man, we need to talk to somebody. You talk to somebody about this. <laughs> I don't know what I got to do. I got to get that that passport. <laughs> but uh, oh man, it's we've dreamed of having a family. Like we were, we mean Adrian. We're, we're both like outcasts in a way, in our own, in our own like way back home. And music brought us together. And we we've been doing this since high school. And when we came to South Africa and the people, people just even accepting us for who we are was like the craziest thing. And meeting all the musicians here and how kind they were and how humble and they help us with so much things. Like we just couldn't believe it. It's just like it's so easy to become friends with people that are, are good people, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think another huge show that you were recently part of was Francois Van Koch and Frinda, and you performed that track that you released on the EP with him. And, you know, whenever I talk to musicians about that Fokov collective, those guys are always spoken about so highly and, and rightfully so. I mean, they're at, they're at the peak of their game, but they're also really great people. I can only imagine that being part of that production must have been really inspiring for you. Yo, you you nailed it. Eh? <laughs> that last thing I said to them, I was like, "This changed my life." Those guys are wild, eh? <laughs> they're they're awesome. I watched their, <laughs> I, I watched their documentary, the uh, the the fuck off documentary. I forget what it was called. It was on Amazon. But I didn't know like they're. I didn't know like that whole movement. I didn't see it because I came here late. So I just. Everyone said like how great they are and like their music's awesome, but I didn't see how they started. And I was like, respect, respect that it's it got it got to this, you know. Like, not many people can say they did that. You know, that whole entire the whole entire Afrikaans culture is just like so supportive and and works together. And and I, I just respect it a lot. Yeah, the name of that documentary that you're talking about is "Forgive Them." for they know not what they do. Yo. Um, yeah. <laughs> Directed by this insane director, his name's Brian Little, but it's honestly one of the best South African music documentaries that have that has ever been created, shot. And and it does such a great job of chronicling where they were from and the tumultuousness of that time politically when they were growing up. And it's very, very interesting to see how Francois's audience, Fokov's audience to an extension has grown up with them. You know, it's not, it's not like after they sort of grew out of that punk phase and Franny started making different kinds of music, like, you know, their audience just left them. Their audience grew with them, which is really beautiful to see. And now they're bringing their kids to the show. So it's like, yeah. it's like, <laughs> an, yeah, it's like another level of, of, you know, generational impact 
that these guys are doing. And I really just don't feel like there's another scene like that, like they created are a part of in, in this country musically. It's, it's really, yeah, it's really, really cool. It's really cool that they also embraced you as well, the two of you. And you, you know, you guys wrote that sick song. Talk to me about what the, the writing and the recording process was like. Oh man, that was, that was actually a really fun track to make. So, so me, so the thing is like, you hear the music like Neon Dreams makes, it sounds like a bunch of different genres in one, but me and Adrian, we grew up on like, like rock and uh, pop rock and pop punk as well. And uh, when we were in the studio with Francois, we were just like, it was kind of, it was kind of like different because like a lot of people uh, will always say you can't mix English and Afrikaans. It's kind of weird. Like people will kind of be against it and we're just like, no, we're doing it. <laughs> we love this, so we're gonna try our best to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, so we were just talking in the studio with Francois. Just no- normally, we just like uh, when we get in a session with uh, new artists, we just talk about things going on in our life. And and uh, I I just was bringing up something that was on my mind, and Francois really could relate to it as well. It's just about uh. uh realizing how much you love somebody after a certain moment for me it's like after it was all done i really after i was with someone so special but i was like i was in a phase of trauma like reliving Mm -hmm. trauma that and see how special that person was until after i got through the trauma and i couldn't fix it because you know what's done is done and and it's uh that's what Francois related to, and it was like uh, he didn't realize how much he loved his his wife until after a certain moment with one of his band members, and uh, we wrote to that feeling. You know, do you feel it? I felt it too. Psychedelic connection without a single use. <laughs> it's uh, oh man, <laughs> it, it just like kind of wrote itself after that. But uh, it's just that feeling. And if you, you look, if you heard of the band Taking Back Sunday, that's like where a lot of me and Adrian's influence comes from. You can hear that in that track a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Performing yeah. that in Cape Town oh. on that stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's so so cool. It's so cool doing that. I know Adrian, he, he had the most fun. It was like this, this was like his biggest dream to do something like this. And I was just like, so happy for all of us like because we never got to make a track like that or make it work when we were kids you know when you're kids you just make messing around and yeah. you can never make something work it just sounds kind of <laughs> janky and stuff but, <laughs> <laughs> but we finally made a track that we love that feels like it represents like our soul you know Last year, I traveled to Calgary in Alberta, Canada for Breakout West Fest. And I was walking down one of the side streets and I bump into Adrian for the first time. You weren't with him. I think you arrived later. And I said to him, how is it, Adrian, that you've been living in South Africa for three years, but I have to fly halfway around the world to meet you? (laughs) And we were just standing in the street talking about Blink-182 and pop punk and He's such a great guy, like just just so so easy to talk to you. How has your relationship developed over the years, especially 
you know, with all of the traveling that you've been doing and, and how close and how close you are. Yeah, well, that's it's definitely like my brother. Like, it just, like, like, you know, family members that you're just always cool with and nothing, it's just always a good time, no matter mm -hmm. what. <laughs> it's like that. And, like, like uh, yeah, met him in high school. He uh, actually, this drummer in my old band, he just stopped showing up, and we had our first big gig. And we we found Adrian on YouTube doing, like, uh, covers of Florida and, like, Travis Barker songs. And and uh, we hit him up. He was like, we got a show in two days. Can you learn all the songs? He learned them all. We played the show. He was the highlight of the whole show. And then... <laughs> And I promise you, I've spoke to him every single day since, every single day, and just like we've just been working together. We went been in three different bands together, and we just never left each other's side. Just kept doing this because we loved it so much. Kept doing it because you loved it so much, and then technically moved to another country. I mean, that's that's <laughs> huge. What spurred the decision? to move here why south africa and why cape town well well people like it was, it was the middle of the the uh, covid stuff and a lot of we we noticed well adrian noticed it he's like a nerd with like technology and like stats and stuff and he's just like oh our song life of fantasies is, is like spiking in south africa and usually this stuff happens every now and then like some like random soccer player will put it in there soccer video or a song in a video and then like we'll get like, a bunch of like views randomly and it disappears but in south africa it kept going up kept going up kept going up and we're like what's going on in south africa <laughs> and we try to figure it out like we're just like is it in a movie or something <laughs> like, <laughs> and then we started getting messages from south africans like like they kept saying brew come to south africa your music's great and then they kept saying ah and we were like, why is our music cute? I don't understand why is our music so cute. But <laughs> like, oh, wait. <laughs> it's like, oh, I didn't realize I got him. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it just it kept growing to the point where our music went, uh, well, Life of Fantasies went number two on the viral charts in South Africa. And we we're like, okay, we made a video and saying thank you to everybody. And then, like, that video went viral, and, like, we were like, okay, this is very serious. So, and I, I went to my manager, and Adrian was like, I don't care what anyone thinks about, like, uh, South Africa. Because it's, like, always, like, strange media on the other side of the world. They never, mm -hmm. like, put, like, great things. And uh, I was like, I don't care what anyone thinks. If our people is over there, we got to go there and see what happens. Because, like, I live by... This quote is like, go as far as you can see, and then you'll see further. And, you know, and all I could, all we could see in the midst of everything going on is South Africa. And we're like, and then the, the, the airport opened up and the flights between Canada and South Africa opened. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. We booked a tour. It was like, I don't know how many dates, probably like, like 12 dates or something. And they all sold out. And then, we got there. People showed us what Bryce was. They showed us oh, yeah, the whole culture of South Africa. Bill Tongue, Billy T. We call it Billy T. And 
And uh, yeah, just everything that they could teach us about South Africa, they taught us and we just fell in love with the country. Who do you think, because I know we've got some, we've got some mutual friends, but who would you say have been the people who have been the most instrumental in making your stay in South Africa so, so homely, so welcome? Well, I'll say, I'll say, um, Majosi, if you know Majosi, uh, he, he's he really, my brother from another mother. Yeah. He's a, he was the kindest person. And just like, like from the start of us getting there, uh, he's just been so like kind of, he introduced us to, uh, Dolph, which is like a producer we used a lot now. Like he's like, uh, the reason for a little dance, like him and Dolph and Majosi, those two guys are like the reason why we're still in South Africa. If we didn't meet those guys, we would not not be out here. Like it changed everything. Just their kindness and and they're like introducing us to all kinds of different people. Dolphin Majosi are two outstanding human beings. You couldn't be in better company. But yeah. Frank, I'm really, really looking forward to your set at Rocking the Daisies. First time seeing you. Hopefully, first time meeting you as well. I've met Adrian. Now I've got to meet you properly. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can we can have a, a drink and maybe a bry at Daisies. I don't know. Post Daisies, we can celebrate. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be cool. Can't wait to meet you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your retreat and have a great weekend. Thank you very much. eh? (laughs) Take it easy. This episode was made possible by Quinton Misplon, Matthew Dickinson, and the good people over at Shure. And all the artwork was created by OG illustrator Elio Moravero. If you're obsessed and you need to know more, you can find us across socials at Ticks in the City and at ticksinthecity.com for more music news. Otherwise, thank you for listening and catch you next week. You know that pure joy when you find a forgotten 100 rand note in the pocket of some old jeans while you're doing the laundry? That feeling of elation sums up Johnny Walker rocking the daisies. Since its rejuvenation in 2016, Johnny Walker rocking the daisies has ensured that those three days you spend on Kloof Wine Farm in Darling will sustain you long enough until the following year's edition. That the memories you make with your squad under the sun, screaming along to your favorite musos, will last a lifetime. Daisies is committed to developing, supporting, and cultivating a quality, multi-sensory cultural experience. And this year will be no different. Head on over to rockinthedaisies.com to get your tickets now and be a part of history.